Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Acts 21:33. For the multitude of the people kept following behind, crying out, Away with him! Away with him! And as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Paul knew Greek and Hebrew. Then you are not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness some years before this. And Josephus records this. He's a Jewish historian of the time. He says there was a man from Egypt who told thousands of men that they would come upon the uh, temple area he would cause the walls of the temple to fall down and that they together would take the Romans down. Well, the walls didn't fall down and the Romans quickly quelled that. And, but he escaped. And I'm sure in the fortress of Antonia, they had Rome's top 10 most wanted. And on the list was this assassin because he had escaped and they were probably looking for him. So when this happened, I think they thought Paul maybe was this guy. And he said, are you the assassin who did all this stuff? And Paul said, no, I'm not an assassin. I'm a Christian. You ever thought in our culture, there's so many uh, accusations coming against Christians. And what do we want to have happen in the world? We'd like babies not to be killed in their mother's wombs. We'd prefer that the Ten Commandments stay in courtrooms and schoolhouses. Because some of the commandments say things like, don't murder anybody and don't steal and don't cheat on your wife, and stuff like that. We think those are pretty good things, even though people are saying, oh, no, we can't show those things to school children. Oh, what will happen to them? They might have some morals then. And we prefer crosses be kept in cemeteries and even on federal land where military people have died because we believe that the cross is the symbol of hope that death is not the end, that people who have served valiantly deserve to be honored. Do you believe those things? And how are we labeled in the culture? Oh, wacky right-wing fundamentalist Christians always wanting to protect babies and keep crosses up and teach people morals. Their morals, like don't murder, don't steal. Wow. (laughs) Paul said, look, I'm a Jew, 39 of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city, I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. If you're the commander, what people? The people who are trying to kill you? Then we just had to carry you up the steps? Yeah, those people. You're nuts, dude. That's my interpretation. Okay. When he had given him permission, 40, Paul, standing on the stairs, steadied himself apparently motioned to the people with his hand. When there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect saying, now here's just a, a point of application. If we are going to reach the people of our culture, we've got to speak their language, guys. We talk about eschatology and this ology and that ology. And sometimes people just say, tell me the basics. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the little kitties can get at it. You know, there may be some intellectual conversations we need to have, but the basics about God and the gospel are so simple, a little kid can understand it. 
Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now, we need to have an adult's head, but a child's heart. You understand? We need to be able to speak the language of the people. If you are talking to someone at the gym or in your neighborhood and you realize they know nothing about the Bible, don't take them to Revelation. Okay? Hey, you check this out about the Antichrist, man. Now, we'll get to that, right? But let's first talk about the gospel. Let's talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Paul spoke their language. They hushed. And he said, brethren and fathers, hear my defense. Hear my uh, apologetic argument, which I now offer to you. Now, quickly, Paul's defense is his personal testimony. Sometimes we might share from creation. Sometimes we might share with somebody from conscience or the image of God written on our hearts. Sometimes we might share with someone about the emptiness of life without God, Ecclesiastes. Sometimes we might share the law of God to bring conviction of sin. But here there is a place, even in apologetics, for your personal testimony. After all, who can argue with my conversion experience? You might debate the facts, but I know Jesus Christ and I know what he's done for me. And you can take me to task for the elements of my story, but you ain't changing what he's done in my life. Amen? So Paul says, look, listen to me. Was there anybody more radically converted than this guy? Consider what I have to say. Please, listen. And so he says, when, uh, it says, when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew. Now, remember, he's talking, he's on the stairs, talking down to the crowd. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel. Paul spent a lot of time in Jerusalem because he was trained under this great rabbi. Strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are all today. Look, we might say it this way to somebody. I was brought up in this city. You guys know me. You've watched my life. You know what I was like before. You know where I was trained. You know where I went to school. You know what I'm about. You've watched me raise my kids in this town. Let me tell you about my experience. Look, I'm zealous for God. It's true. I was zealous just like you. But my zeal was really without knowledge, Paul might say. That's Romans 10. He says, I was so zealous, if you want to know about my past life, I persecuted, persecuted this way. Jesus is the way. Christianity was called the way at this time. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. If you want to know how passionate I was and zealous I was, I tried to destroy this movement. Don't think that I just was always on the side of Christ. Look, I, I took men and women, I put them in prisons. I tried to destroy this, this thing to the death in, and also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify whether they're all the same that were there back when Paul started, I don't know. But he said, from them I also received letters to the brethren. If you saw some of the religious leaders standing there, they might be going, yeah, it's true. We gave them letters. This guy was our number one hit man. Wherever you want to send him, Paul, take care of the Christian movement over here. Okay. Off he went. He had letters from the chief priests. He said, I started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there uh, to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. And it came about, and now he's sharing his personal conversion. 
that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Have you ever noticed that there's a lot of people when you try to share with them, you could talk about Buddha, Zoroaster, anything, but you mention the name of Jesus. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about him. They'll push back from the table. You might want to confront them next time and say, why do you think that the name of Jesus makes you so upset? Have you ever thought about that? Why do you think you get so angry the moment his name comes up? Could it be that God's stirring something in you? A guy calls a radio program. It's a Christian um, Bible question and answer program. He calls up and he says, he tells the host, I don't know how you believe this garbage. What about evolution? What about the suffering of the world? What about this? What about that? How can you believe this stuff? And the host patiently said, look, I was once like you. I was an atheist. I believe in evolution. But a witness for Christ shared the gospel and Christ has changed my life. And he told his story. This guy's a very intellectual believer as well. And the guy said, oh, that's a bunch of hooey and this and that. And, and he said, well, one day you're going to meet the Lord. And this guy said, if I ever meet Jesus face to face, I'll spit in his face. How do you like that, Mr. Host? You know what the host of that program said? You wouldn't be the first to spit in his face. And that guy went on, and he was jumping up and down. But think about it. He called a Christian radio program to yell at the host about why he didn't believe Christianity. Do you think God was stirring something in the man's heart? And it took a host under the control of the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I understand you, but please hear my reasons. This is why I believe. Jesus made it personal. Every time that a Christian is persecuted, Jesus says, you persecute me. I want to say this to anyone who listens to my voice as a skeptic, an atheist, or an agnostic. Every time you come against a Christian, you come against Christ. Every time you malign the faith of a Christian, every time you persecute somebody, whether here in the States or in a foreign land, you do it to Christ. And he takes it personally. That brings great comfort to me as a Christian, but should be a sobering reminder to those who mock the faith. And I answered, who are you, Lord? Good thing to know since this light is really bright. He said to me, I am Jesus. Think of how Paul must have been shocked the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me beheld the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And Paul will tell us in 1 Corinthians 15 that he saw the Lord. He saw Jesus. Apparently saw his face. And the light was so bright it blinded his eyes. Incredible. And so the men experienced the light, but the message really was for Paul. One man writing into a Christian organization says, maybe I should have known all along that the story about Jesus was true, but somehow I just didn't get it. The whole thing seemed to be mythological to me, a tale spun by humans to get other humans to live a more moral life, helpful in an innocuous sort of way, but nothing to get excited about. Then in my late 30s, I bottomed out. 
disappointed and wounded, I determined to find the answers to life or else kill myself. I began a spiritual search that took me from Scientology to Silva mind control. Nothing I tried satisfied. In Silva, I was introduced to spirit guides. And in Scientology, I was told to tap the power within myself. However, regardless of what I tried, the emptiness never went away. Until one day, I was stopped on the street by a witness for Christ I was invited to a Bible study and I discovered the evidence for the historicity of the Bible. I remember thinking that night, going home and thinking, dear God, it's true. The Sunday school story is really true. I saw the truth intellectually before I ever saw it emotionally. And then he ends his letter with, the evidence is there for anyone who will hear. Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so I said, logically, what shall I do? We didn't see this response in Acts 9 in the original story. And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus and there you will be told all that has been appointed for you to do. You've got a job to do. Salvation is only the beginning. But since I could not see because of the brightness or glory of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me. Now he was so humbled and he came into Damascus And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout, 12, by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And he was hesitant to come, if you recall the story. And standing near to me, he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. It seems like the last face that Saul saw before he was blinded was Jesus. And the first face he saw when his eyes opened was Ananias. He said, and I looked up at him. Ananias' name, by the way, means God is gracious. And he said, the God of our fathers, he's speaking now to Saul who becomes Paul. Paul sharing his story with the crowd, still hushed in silence. The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one, to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And Ananias said to him, now why do you delay Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Look, baptism doesn't save you, but whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Some of you need to mark that verse. Why do you keep delaying? Why haven't you been baptized? Why haven't you publicly testified that Jesus Christ is God? Baptism doesn't save you, but it's a picture of the washing away of your sins. It's a picture of the gospel. Why hesitate a moment longer? Declare who you are. And Ananias told him, do it, get up, get in the game. And it came about when I returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him, Jesus, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat, emphasis on beat because Paul's probably bleeding right now, beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of thy witness, Stephen, was being shed, imagine this heart-wrenching memory for Paul. I was also standing by and approving watching out for the cloaks of those who were killing him. And he said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And they listened to him up until this statement, 22. 
And then they raised their voices and they said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks, probably in preparation to stone Paul, and tossing dust into the air, an expression of horror and outrage at blasphemy or what they perceived to be blasphemy, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging, ouch, so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him in this way. We're at the end. When they stretched them out with thongs, leather straps, they would make you tout before they hit you with the flagellum, which was the cat of nine tails, and it had in it pieces of bone and metal, and it would rip you open. And this is what they did to Jesus prior to his crucifixion. Probably so much so that his internal organs were showing. Uh, They tell us in history that people would die often of this particular treatment, or they would be permanently disabled. And they're about to strike Paul with this to get the reasons why this is all going on. And Paul was a wise man. He said, 25, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? I'm a Roman citizen. I think I'd be saying, I'm American. Stop. Good time to call upon the law. And when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him saying, what are you about to do? This man is a Roman or a Roman citizen. And the commander came to him and said, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money, maybe through a bribe. Paul said, no, I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let go of him. The commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because uh, he had put him in chains. That You couldn't uh, beat a Roman or chain him without a trial. We get much of our law actually from Roman law. And Paul had not had a trial, so they backed off and God spared Paul because Paul wasn't going to die until God was done with him. God had more work ahead for Paul. Brother uh, came up to me at the end of first service this morning and said, some years back, he had had a massive heart attack. Uh, Suddenly had this heart attack. He was brought into a hospital. His three buddies came in and prayed with him and he had recovered. Um, It wasn't fatal, obviously. And so he said, I want the Holy Spirit to be here in this hospital room. So his three buddies prayed for the room and he had this Asian nurse and he told me, Pastor Michael, she kept coming into the room and then leaving and I didn't think much of it because she's a nurse after all. And finally she stuck her head into the room and said, I just have to ask you, is there something in this room? And he, he smiled and he said, well, what do you mean? What do you think is in this room? He said to the nurse and she said, I think there's angels here. And for the next 45 minutes, he said he shared the gospel with that woman. Um, I end with this. Think of Paul speaking to all of the, this mass of people and, and you might be thinking, well, what happened? I mean, did anybody believe? Did they all just want to kill him? Did, the, did their hate for him get worse? I was in the gym one day with a friend of mine and we began to share with a bodybuilder who was there. Nice enough guy, but he was definitely not a Christian. He said he had been a Christian, but there were so many hypocrites in the church and he was now testing out Buddhism and he liked some of the teachings of Christ, but he was t- testing out the new age. He said he was living with his girlfriend he worked as a manager of a very ungodly establishment 
And he said, I'm doing what I want to do. I don't believe this Christianity stuff. I don't believe Jesus is the only way. And by the way, I don't believe in your politics. And we got into every subject. We went on for 45 minutes. This guy seemed like an impenetrable wall. He, he, he was like a deflector shield. Everything I said, well, I don't know. And he was a pretty articulate guy. So we walked away from that conversation. I thought, that guy's never going to be reached. He may say that he was a Christian, but he's so on the other side, he's gone. A couple months later, I walked back into that gym, and that guy approaches me. He says, I need to tell you something. You know that conversation we had a couple months ago? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember it. He said, I, can't, I couldn't stop thinking about what you said about Christ and him being the only way. I've moved out. I'm no longer with, living with my girlfriend. I quit that job, and I want to give my life back to Jesus Christ. You never know what God will do. Sometimes we walk away from a conversation. We think, that, that I didn't penetrate a bit. But you know what? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. You keep Jesus at the middle of your life and message. He'll do the work. Father, thank you so much for the dedication of the Apostle Paul. Uh, we, we read texts like this, Lord. We, we feel so unworthy. We feel like we don't even come close to this sort of passion and perseverance. And yet, you do want to use each one of us to be change agents in our world and to be sharing the gospel with folks. The hope that we have that's within us, a hope reserved for us in heaven that will not fade away because we are kept by the power of God. Stir this congregation to love and good deeds, Father. Help me, help us to be busy about your business, not to be obnoxious, but just to look for opportunities to share the good news, the hope that we have, Lord. I believe if we all got a little bit more serious about that, our city would change. Maybe our state would change. And our world would change. Thank you for those who are sharing faithfully and wanting to step out more. Thank you for the way you're allowing this congregation to meet people on radio and through missions. So many special things going on. I just ask that you'll fill us afresh with your spirit. And help us to walk in your footsteps. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you need to come to know Christ. You're here for a reason. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you have pushed Christ away because of difficulties and questions that you've had. But he's at the door, knocking, saying, let me in. I want a fellowship with you. I want to give you Abundant life. Don't close me out. Don't shut the doors. If it's you, there's no perfect prayer, but it's something like this. And I would just encourage you, pray it right now. Lord Jesus, pray it out loud. Come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me and rose to defeat death itself. I repent of my sin and trust in you might be a person here who's been away for a while and you want to come back home and he invites you back. Just as you are, just come. You might be a prodigal and maybe you've been running and you found yourself in the pit of mud and your father is waiting to hug you and 
celebrate your arrival. Lord, help that prodigal who's struggling with whether they would be accepted again that you love them, you want them home. And then, Lord, I want to lift up the church just one more time. Strengthen our brothers and sisters who are suffering around the globe. Strengthen those that we mentioned earlier in this sermon who are facing life and death situations for you. Help them to be strong and persevere. And help us as a church here in Southern California to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Living Truth Radio is an extension. It's really an outreach ministry. It's a mission of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're a church in the city of Corona. And this is where the radio program comes from. We do a program called the Bible Answer Show. We do uh, the Living Truth Radio broadcast. We're in several on several different stations in several different states right now. And we have radio stations asking us to come on board. And we have time slots that could be more effective. And we haven't been able to walk through those open doors. And we have one, one show in particular that it needs some help. In fact, I'm just going to be blunt. I'm just going to make the need known. We may not stay on the air unless we have the support. And so I'm just going to let you guys know. And you might be asking, maybe you've been listening to Living Truth Radio for some time, and maybe it's that time when you want to support the program. Here's how you can do it. It's very easy. Go to livingtruthradio.org, and there's going to be a donate button on that very front page, on the home page, livingtruthradio.org. And you can give. You can give with your credit card. Pray about it. We're not compelling anybody. We're not forcing anybody. But if you want to partner with us, if you want to become a Living Truth Radio partner, if you want to help us get the Word of God out to the world, if you can give, give today. Just to be candid with you, the church, the local church here, which is not a huge fellowship, funds most of the radio ministry. And I'm asking you, if you've been blessed by this ministry, that you would consider giving. LivingTruthRadio.org is where you can go. We'd love to be a blessing to you as you go there. You can find past sermons. Uh, there's video and audio. You can get to our church website and go to uh, archive sermons. You can read articles. You can find out more about the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. All available at LivingTruthRadio.org. If you're ever in the area of the Inland Empire and you don't have a church home or you just like to worship with us on one Sunday, the service times are 9 and 11.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. I'm teaching through Mark on Sundays and Genesis on Wednesdays. Again, everything you'd need to know, information and directions at livingtruthradio.org. This is Pastor Michael Lance. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron, who's helped us produce the program on this day, may God bless you and we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. For listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. 
You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.